Well, good morning, everyone. So, um, I've given a, a, a certain amount of thought to how we might work through this last chapter of Daniel, which is in many ways a culmination of everything we've done so far. Um, how to connect it properly to what we've done and so forth. And uh, I want to try something which, um, which may crash and burn, but it kind of it kind of helped me a little bit and um, and that is we're gonna we, we I've decided we are gonna get through all of chapter 12 the reason I can say that is because we're gonna go backwards so we're gonna start at the end and we're gonna go backwards because I think it it helps connect um, properly to what we've done in the latter parts of, of uh, chapter 11 a little bit better and it's uh, to me it was easier to kind of see the connections and I think it also uh, to me at least reaffirmed uh, kind of the position that as dad and I have followed uh, many before us of this uh, this view that uh, Daniel was written um, uh, from his perspective uh, contemporaneous in other words he he wrote it when he wrote it uh, not after the fact um, that this uh, is divinely inspired prophecy and we can trust it and so um, so that's that's what we're going to do and, and um, my, my hunch is that next week we'll probably have to clean up some leftovers and some things that that maybe don't get covered but uh, if nothing else this will be uh, somewhat of an overview so uh, one last bit of introduction remember that this is taking place as a vision or as um, what's being told to Daniel uh, through uh, angelic message that started on the banks of the river when he had been praying for three weeks back in chapter 10 right so that's kind of where we are and there this whole thing has been this big download on Daniel as to the what's going to happen in the, at the end of days. And then in the latter part of chapter 12, it gets wrapped up. So let's chart, start rather in verse 8 of chapter 12. And many of you will relate to this where it says, I heard but I did not understand. So, uh, you know, if you feel that way, uh, I get it. Daniel got it. <laughs> um, uh, that just seemed like a, 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 an appropriate place to start. I heard but did not understand. Then I said, oh, Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And I think we somewhat stand with Daniel on that point as well. Yeah, um, what's this all about? And he that, that is this angels says in verse 9 go your way Daniel for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined but the wicked shall act wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand but those who are wise will understand and from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up there shall be 1290 days 
Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. We'll talk about these numbers uh, just a bit, but as you think about this very last sentence of this very powerful book, um, I think all would agree the most powerful prophetic book in all of the Old Testament. In many ways, this is where we are. And we shall rest, and we shall stand in our allotted place at the end of days. Now, he was speaking specifically to Daniel, of course, but with so much turmoil that is going on in the world. And to use a a popular term, so much drama everywhere. How many of us take time to really rest knowing if you haven't gotten anything else out of the whole book, God is in control. God is in control. And we can rest in that knowing that we'll have an allotted place. We'll, you know, if we have apprehension of where, where am I going to be in all this? We don't have to fret about that. We're going to be told what to do when the time comes. We can rest knowing that it's all squared away. So those of you that are fine with that can just kind of tune out, look at your phones, um, do whatever you want to do, because that's really the most important thing. Let's go back a little bit. From the time the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there'll be 1,290 days. There's, a, there's some connecting phrases and verses as we work backwards. So one of these connecting phrases and verses is this abomination that makes desolate. So we'll, we're going to talk about that in a moment. This whole section, as we'll see, talks about uh, the end of the, the tribulation. Specifically, the end of the last three and a half years of the, what's called the Great Tribulation, when things get really bad. And that makes 1260 days. And at that point is the second coming of Christ when everything happens. And as we saw in Isaiah, all is made right with the world. Well, this 1290 days, it says there's an extra blessing. So I guess we have to assume it's going to there's going to be judgment of the nations. There's going to be stuff that happens in that 30 days. And then there's another uh, section, another 45 days. So altogether, another 75 days um, till everything's put into order. And then uh, at that point, ushers in the thousand-year millennial kingdom. So that's kind of where we are. And we don't know a whole lot of detail about those little extra 75 days, but there's going to be some transition. I mean change the world um, into its proper place it may take a few it may take a few moments um, so that's that's that let's go backwards to our next section which we're going to start in uh, verse 5 
Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. Remember, that's where he is. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. One of these connecting phrases, time, times, and half a time. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 is the vision of the four beasts. And this last section, I guess, let's start with, um, let's say, verse 23. And thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which will be different from all the kingdoms that shall devour the whole earth trample it down, break it to pieces. As far as the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones. He shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. They shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Here we have this same phrasing. So Daniel chapter 7, um, we went through these, these um, uh, four beasts, and remember that, um, that these four beasts talk about these, um, these kingdoms. And we had Babylon, and then the Medes and Persians, and then um, Alexander the Great and the Greeks. And then this fourth kingdom started off um, looking at Rome, uh, and then uh, filtered down... There's time there, uh, uh, chunks of time, which is kind of where we are now. And then at some future point, there's going to be this this um, ten horns and the ten kings and then um, three other kings and then another king that rises up. Um, this is all talking about uh, the Antichrist and, and uh, out of... Um, what may be a, a smaller kingdom uh, rises to greatness and again uh, this time times and half a time so this uh, section of Daniel uh, back in chapter 12 um, it it's very clear that this is talking about prophecy so uh, just we're getting uh, a different vantage point than we got in chapter 7 but we're talking about the same uh, period of time I may have said this more clear when I wrote it to myself in my notes. I said, the passage from Daniel 7 describes someone who would be a derivative of the fourth kingdom who shall rise up and have authority for one year, that's the time, two years, that's times, and a half a year, a total of three and a half years. This describes the Antichrist. Working backwards, the angel tells Daniel that the events just described will cover the same period of time 
Therefore, we know that this passage in Daniel 12 is talking about the last half of the tribulation. Let's go back. Verse 2 of Daniel 12. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. This last verse might be, in verse 4, might be something that we talk a little bit more next time. This concept of... um, running to and fro and knowledge shall increase. There's a parallel verse in Amos that talks about that. People have speculated. What does that mean? Um, certainly from our perspective, this uh, many running to and fro, uh, that certainly describes many of our lives right now. Um, uh, travel. Can you imagine how different travel is now from what it was then? Um, you can be in the other side of the world in half a day. Uh, it's... Um, just what would have taken even if you could have done it maybe a couple of years Um, so some people said it's international travel or this knowledge shall increase some people talk about the internet Um, some people say no it's just that um, as as we get close and and prophecy seems to be more real that maybe we'll be able to connect the dots a little better uh, now than than they would have back then. So it's an, it's an interesting verse there. Look at verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting lies, some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is a clear verse about resurrection. Not only that, it's a clear verse what's called double resurrection. That there will be resurrection of the saints some to everlasting life and there'll be resurrection shall we say of those who were not saints some to shame and everlasting contempt so bearing bearing in mind that this has to do with the last part of the great tribulation who are we talking about here well who have we been talking about the whole book of Daniel we're talking about the people of Israel. So, um, for most of our commentary, uh, Dad and I have been uh, using um, uh, the commentators at Pentecost and Walbert, uh, Dallas Theological folks, uh, to kind of guide our background. And we've also made reference to our, um, our chart here. And on our chart, if you have that handy, in the, the right third, there's a vertical line that goes from bottom to top, top to bottom, as it were. And it's, it's labeled uh, the resurrection of the saints and uh, the first resurrection. And uh, simultaneous with uh, the rapture of the church, if you see at the top, um, As, as I understand it, um, the, uh, uh, 
the commentators that we've been using have suggested that this reference in Daniel is not referring to the rapture to what happens at the rapture so if you think of the rapture as being those in Christ those who have come to faith in Christ that is during the age of the church that would be us but that this resurrection here would be talking about Old Testament saints now some people have said Old Testament saints might be included in the rapture and that's again the distinction here but um, the point is everyone gets resurrected before the millennium okay so no big disagreement there the question is are the Old Testament saints raptured or resurrected rather um, seven years before at the time of the rapture or at the end and it kind of makes sense that it would be at the end because um, this is all in how God is dealing with uh, the Jews now one one other point and that is we're talking about a, a double resurrection resurrection of those uh, knowing God and those uh, not acknowledging God and at first glance it might seem that those events were happening at the same time uh, again most commentators suggest that there's a division here between uh, these groups so let me read it uh, I'm reading from um, the um, New English it says and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt um, there is a um, a translation that the commentator reference that they say um, takes advantage of some of the, the distinctions in Hebrew it says that more sharply separates the two classes so the alternative reading is as follows and many from among the sleepers of the dust shall awake these shall be into everlasting life but those the rest of the sleepers those who do not awake at this time shall be into shame and everlasting contempt the proposal is that the sanctified group you might say gets resurrected at the end of the tribulation uh, at the second coming of Christ so that they can participate in the millennial kingdom whereas the second group is recommend rec sorry resurrected at the end of the millennial kingdom as part of the final judgment okay the big picture is the Old Testament teaches resurrection very clearly there's going to be a resurrection which makes it interesting because one of the things we found out when we've studied the Gospels has been this division between uh, the factions of the Jews the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees that some didn't believe in the resurrection you know they must have kind of glossed over this part because the Old Testament clearly uh, mentions a resurrection um, and there are other passages in the Bible that uh, or in the Old Testament rather that uh, confirm that Dr. Larkin references 1 Corinthians which I'll read 
it says, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. This is Paul, um, you know, just making his case that there is a resurrection. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And notice the orderliness of this comment. It says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. We would take that to be the rapture. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. So that would be referring to, to this, um, parts one and part two of this resurrection. So um, a little distinction there, not that it matters a lot, but just to um, work through that little section. Verse one. At that time, it's going to be our connecting phrase, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. At that time. The important point is that verse 1 of chapter 12, indeed the first several verses of chapter 12, are clearly connected with the latter verses of chapter 11. Now remember those that would take a, a more liberal point of view, try to make the latter verses, and whether you start with verse 40 or whether you start with verse 36, they would try to make those latter verses refer to this Antiochus Epiphanes, right? To make it say that this is already history. Well, when you talk about at that time, Michael, I think all can agree, Michael hasn't shown up yet to fix things, right? So we can confirm that that's talking about prophecy. Well, when it says at that time, wh what does that refer to? Well, that refers to at least the start of verse 40, which says at the time of the end. Clearly, we're talking about the time of the end. So it's going to be really hard. In fact, it is really hard. If you're of the position to try to say that all of chapter 11 is history, then how do you make that transition from verse 40 where it talks about the time of the end and connecting that directly with the first verse of chapter 12 which talks about Michael showing up? It's a real stretch. And it, I think it really adds a lot of confidence to the position that we're aligning ourselves with that, that this is talking about events that have not yet happened. As far as the tribulation itself, I'll read one section here that summarizes it. It says, Both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach that a time of great tribulation will one day come to the world, and our interpretation of Daniel's 70 weeks 
that's Daniel 9, where we take a close look at the 70 weeks, locates this period in the last week of his prophecy. So, again, the last week, the last seven years, that's where we are, and we're in the middle of that. It says, the event that triggers the beginning of those last seven years is the signing of the covenant with Israel by a powerful leader in a ten-nation confederacy. So this ten nations is we've talked about in chapter 7 a minute ago. And it says the reason for the covenant seems to be the guarantee of his protection for Israel while Jews rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. The tribulation period will end with the return of Christ, confinement of the Antichrist and Satan in the lake of fire. So that's a lot in that little section. So prior to or in the lead up to the great tribulation this antichrist is going to come on the scene as a derivative of this ten nation alliance to align themselves with Israel make it look like they've solved I guess the Arab-Israeli conflict or in our terms as we might look at it and usher in what is supposed to be some period of peace halfway through it's all going to fall apart and in fact most of this last part of chapter 11 flowing into chapter 12 is talking about what's happening as it all fall, falls apart chapter 12 focuses very much on the kind of the spiritual side of things the latter part of chapter 11 focused on more of the uh, military and political side of things, but we're all talking about the same section. Again, we'll try to clean this up next week, but go back to Daniel 11, verse 40. At the time of the end... The king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind, and so forth. So at the time of the end, this is clearly talking um, about the same period of time uh, as Daniel uh, chapter 1. To go back even further, if we look not just to verse 36 of Daniel 11, but look back to verse 31 of Daniel 11. And what what you'll see is if you I would encourage you to read Daniel the latter part of Daniel 10 where the vision starts and read it all the way through because as we if by necessity as we've done it in chunks it um, you lose a little bit of the of the flow but there is clearly a shift between what has already happened in history to what is going to happen. There's a, there's a pause there, and it all has to do with this Antioch Epiphanes, who, although he was very aggressive against the people of Israel um, in the lead-up in the century or so before Christ, he is a, a, a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. So there is some area that's clearly history, at the first part of Daniel 11. There's some area that's clearly prophecy in the latter part of 11 and first parts of chapter 12. 
But then in those last 10 or 12 verses of Daniel 11, there's a section that applies to both. And we've seen how this can happen. I talked about it a little bit last week. So there's part that is referring to um, Antioch Epiphanes, but then there's a part that's a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. And what authority do we use for that? Well, we use Jesus himself. So at verse 31, it says, Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering. We saw that this has already happened. Antioch Epiphanes did do this already. And, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. We saw that he set up the worship of Zeus. We talked about that. It has already happened in history. But Jesus references this verse as part of what's going to happen in the tribulation. So if you go to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, we're looking at verse 15. My Bible talks about the whole section of 24 uh, as signs of the close of the age. Verse 15, it says, So when you see, this is Jesus speaking, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. That's about as clear a reference to Old Testament prophecy as you're going to see. The abomination of desolation, as referenced in verse 31 of Daniel 11, and then Jesus says, this abomination of desolation, and in case you don't know where I found that, it's the one that's spoken of by the prophet Daniel. That's going to be one of the clues that the great tribulation, when things get really bad, that's one of the clues that you know you're in the middle of it. That's when, you know, save yourself as you, if you can sort of thing, that type of language. So, so Jesus clearly takes this whole section of Daniel, which some people would have said is all history. Jesus says it's not all history. It's partially history, but part of it has yet to happen. So, the first part of chapter 11, history. The last part of 11 and 12, prophecy. And in the middle, there's both. There's some history there, which is a foreshadowing of prophetic things to come. We should probably stop. Where do we start? Where we started was in verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. I hope you made it a little better. Dad's going to fix it next week. Um, and in verse 13, but go your way till the end, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of days. We know the end of the story. I like to watch Wimbledon. I don't play tennis, but I thought it might, because the time changed, I said, well, while I'm finished up my lesson, I'll watch the tennis. Well, there was a match 
but I knew it wasn't the current match. It was um, Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal from 2007. So that's already happened. I could have seen how it turned out. Here, we get to see how it turns out. We know what the ending is going to be. We just don't know exactly how the ending is going to be. We know the score. We're not totally sure how, how the final plays happen, but uh, that's, that's, I guess, where we'll stop. All right, let's close. Father, we thank you that you graced us so much to peel back the curtain, to show to Daniel, who then can show to us your faithfulness, your sovereignty, your care for the nation of Israel, um, the encouragement that we have that we will, like him, have our own allotted place in this whole story. And Father, we thank you that you receive glory and honor in all these things because of the work started by your son on the cross. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. So have your questions next week. You might take two weeks <laughs> if you've got a bunch of questions. But have your questions and we'll go from there. Blessings.